Welcome to the audio podcast for Beit Abba, the Messianic Jewish ministry at the Father's House. We exist to proclaim the gospel to the Jewish people and to connect Christians to Israel and the Jewish roots of our faith. Amen. Amen. Well, I am so excited to be here again tonight. And I do feel that the Lord has given me a word to give tonight, and I'm so excited to be able to do that. You know, I love Bet Abba, and even as Pastor Kathy was speaking, you know, I really feel that we are family. You know, it's amazing. There's a handful of people and places that I can really think of in the last 40 plus years that I've been a Christian where God has just had a divine appointment set up. And I just really believe that God has done that. I know he's, he's done that between me and Kathy. He's done that, I believe, with my heart to this place. I believe that the Lord wants to do something here even tonight. And so even this evening as we were worshiping, I just felt such a tremendous presence of the Lord. I really sense hungry hearts here. And even as I prayed just in the last weeks, ever since Pastor Kathy had asked me, could I speak? I just began to seek the Lord and say, well, Lord, what do you want to say? And I've really sensed and I've been praying into it just the hunger in people's hearts. I believe that God wants to come in a way today that I believe that we can be completely changed by the end. That he wants to do something because his word is alive. His word is something that comes and just completely can transform us. And so tonight I want to talk to you about the fire of God. You know, we heard it tonight beautifully as uh, Michelle sang the Torah portion out of Exodus 3. We heard it about the burning bush where Moses encountered the fire of God. And I just believe that there is something much like that. Even as Pastor Kathy said, let us have a here I am in our spirits today. I believe that the Lord is going to speak to us in a profound way. So I'm calling tonight's message a fire that cannot be quenched. When I thought about this word, because that was really what the Lord had spoken to me, and I said, okay, well, where do we go with this? And I began to think about the gospel of Matthew, and I thought about the story of John the Baptist, how the people came out to see what he was doing. You know, I think that would probably have been something that I would have done too. I would have heard about this guy. I mean, he was really unusual. He wore strange clothes. He, he ate weird food. He was kind of way out there, and he was preparing the way for the Lord. And so people came out to see, well, what's this guy doing? He's baptizing people in water. What's happening? Why is he in the wilderness? What's this, you know, he's he's shouting. He's a voice crying in the wilderness. What is this all about? And so in Matthew chapter 3, verse 11, it says, you know, and John the Baptist is speaking. He says, I indeed baptize you with water unto repentance, but he who is coming after me is mightier than I, whose sandals I'm not worthy to carry. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. You know, I asked myself, well, what is John the Baptist talking about there? You know, have you ever just read scripture and you kind of buzz through it and it's like, well, isn't that nice? But then all of a sudden God quickens it 
And you see, no, he's talking about being baptized with the Holy Spirit. And I think we talk about that quite a bit. But what is this Holy Spirit and fire? What does, you know, because the word baptism just means to be immersed. What does it mean to be immersed in the Holy Spirit and fire? What is that all about? And I believe that the Lord wants to speak to us about that. You can read even in Acts chapter 2 about the day of Pentecost when the Holy Spirit, when the Lord sent the Holy Spirit and people were just supernaturally baptized in the Holy Spirit. It says in Acts chapter 2 verse 3, it says, then there appeared to them divided tongues as of fire and one sat upon each of them. You see, I believe that there's a connection that the Lord wants to show us today between the Holy Spirit in our life and fire. You know, and we're going to talk about, well, what does that mean? And so today I want to take a look at this fire because I believe that the Lord transforms us by the fire of God. And so let's begin by looking again at what Michelle sang in Exodus chapter 3 verses one through four, because I believe that his encounter with the fire in the burning bush really prepared Moses for his destiny. So let's take a look at this. In Exodus 3, verse 1, it says, Now Moses was tending the flock of Jethro, his father-in-law, the priest of Midian. If you remember the story of Moses, he was in the desert himself for 40 years. You know, he had uh, tried to basically fulfill what he felt God was calling him to. He ends up killing someone who was persecuting the Jews. And anyway, he ends up fleeing into the wilderness. So now 40 years have passed, but he's been working away for his father-in-law. And I think it's interesting that we can encounter the fire of God when we're busy about the father's business. So I think it's very important that this is the point that is brought out here in this scripture. And it says, and Moses led the flock to the back of the desert and came to Horeb, the mountain of God. And the angel of the Lord appeared to him in a flame of fire from the midst of a bush. So he looked. So Moses looked at it. And behold, the bush was burning with fire, but the bush was not consumed. Then Moses said, I will now turn aside and see this great sight why the bush does not burn. So when the Lord saw that he turned aside to look, God called to him from the midst of the bush and said, Moses, Moses, and he said, here I am. So I look at this, this passage here, and I note two kind of interesting things. One, it says that he looked, but then it says with intention, he turned aside after he looked, and it says that he really looked in order to understand. And then it was that Moses said, here I am. You see, I believe prophetically we are in an hour where God is calling his people to turn aside and really look into the things that God is doing right now. The things that he wants to reveal to us. You see, I believe that the Lord wants to bring us into this baptism of fire. Of course, the baptism of the Holy Spirit, but the baptism of the Holy Spirit and fire. But we must turn and look. We must, with intention, I believe, in our lives, turn and seek him in prayer. I believe that we must look into his word 
and that we cannot continue business as usual. I think we're in that season. You know, do you feel it in your hearts that, oh God, there must be more? That it can't be that there's only this much, but there's something that I believe the Lord is drawing us to. You know, I'm fascinated with things such as the Song of Solomon, and you look at that story, and you see it's a process that the Lord is wooing the bride, and it's not just all at once, but you see, God brings us into places where we find ourselves hungry for him, and we find ourselves saying, Lord, I want to experience a greater depth of what you have. I want to have a fresh revelation of what you're saying in this hour. Isn't it interesting that in the book of Revelation it says, let him who has ears, let him hear what the Spirit is saying. You know, I believe that God is wanting us to, with intention, not just that first look that Moses had, wow, here's a burning bush, Woo! There it is, I'll just keep on going. No, that's not what Moses said. It, it says what he did was... He saw it, and then he said, wow, wow, something is really going on here. And it says, then he turned, and he looked to see that he might understand. You know, I believe that there are times where we see things happening in the spirit, but that God is saying, don't just go, well, wasn't that nice? Wasn't that worship service good? Wasn't that move of the spirit kind of nice? That's kind of like, woo, that's nice. But he's saying, no, I want your hearts to be stirred in this hour. I want you to turn aside once again. I want you to look and inquire of me to see what is it that I'm really doing. And so the Lord wants to give us a fire. He wants to show us. He wants us to experience that fire that causes us to press in and announce to him, here I am. So, Lord Jesus, I just pray as we study the word today, oh God, Lord, as we look into this, Lord, that we would just uh, right now say, Lord, I'm turning aside. I'm looking into the thing that you would say. Lord God, give us ears to hear. Give us hearts to receive, oh God. Lord, speak to us. Lord, we receive, oh God, that portion that you would have for us today. I pray that you would bless each one here, oh God. Lord, let your word penetrate trade, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. So I want to tonight look at the fire <clears throat> that should, and kind of that word should be underlined, should accompany our salvation experience. And in fact, what I want to do, and this sounds so basic, but I think you're going to hear some things that maybe you never thought of before. I want to talk to everyone here tonight about our salvation experience. I want to talk about what our Christian walk is actually designed to look like because I believe that we encounter the fire when we fully walk in this truth of salvation, when we fully look at it. And so the way I want to do this, and I know you've heard this story a million times, but I, I just believe the Lord has shown me something fresh here. I want to talk about the first Passover. I want to talk about what we are to do with the lamb. And I believe that by looking at this story of Passover that we're going to more fully understand our salvation. And I believe that we're going to perceive the fire that the Lord wants to accompany 
our salvation. So let's look at Exodus 12 and examine more carefully the Passover experience. So in Exodus 12, verses 1 through 3, it says, Now the Lord spoke to Moses and Aaron in the land of Egypt. You know, I just have to say, I know you guys have probably heard this Passover story so many times, but there's nothing I like to do better than have the Lord come and breathe fresh on his word. That there is something here. So listen carefully because I believe that God is going to speak to you today. And so it says, this month shall be your beginning of months. It shall be the first month of the year to you. Speak to all the congregation of Israel saying, on the 10th of this month, every man shall take for himself a lamb. The truth of Passover is so important. That's why yearly, year in and year out, they began the whole feast year with it. Because Passover, just like our salvation experience, is the foundation for which everything else is laid. I mean, we can see it in the New Testament that when you look at, say, Hebrews 6, verses 1 and 2, it says, let's not lay again the foundation over and over again. But it doesn't say you don't need the foundation. It says our foundation is repentance from dead works. It's faith towards God. We've got to have that. And it, it goes on to say, so let's go on to completion having that foundation. And so Passover was that foundational experience, the foundation of everything else. It's a type to us of, as I say, that salvation experience. And so it has to be laid correctly. So it says right here that every man had to take for himself a lamb. No one else can do it for you, just like our salvation. It doesn't matter if your parents were saved, doesn't matter what's going on with that. At the end of the day, you need your own lamb. We need Jesus. We each need that for ourselves. So it goes on. It says, your lamb, verse 5, Exodus 12, shall be without blemish, a male of the first year. You may take it from the sheep or from the goats. Well, John the Baptist, who we just read before, said, somebody's coming after me who's going to baptize you with uh, the Holy Spirit and fire. He recognized Jesus as the lamb. He said in John 129, it says, the next day John saw Jesus coming toward him and said, behold, the lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. And of course, in Revelation chapter 13, it says that Jesus is the lamb slain from the foundation of the world. That this wasn't, oh my goodness, this didn't work out. Well, I guess Jesus needs to come die for us. No, from the very beginning, the foundation of the earth, Jesus is the lamb. That's how key this truth is to us because Jesus is our Passover lamb. Okay, so that's the background. I know you've heard all that before, but now let's really dive in. In Exodus 12, verse six <clears throat> through eight, it says, now you shall keep that lamb until the 14th day of the same month. Okay, remember they were to take it on the 10th day. And it says, now keep it till the 14th day. I think this is so interesting. Because you'd have to get to know the lamb. You know, I think that we're doing a great disservice when we make salvation almost a magical incantation. Where we're going to almost trick people into saying, okay, say this after me. I'm not going to tell you what you're going to say until you say it. 
you know, as if that's going to do it. No, you see, it's not that it has to take days or months or years to come to that point, but you've got to know who the lamb is. I like the fact that this lamb sat in their house for four days, that they got to know this is what this lamb is all about. It's something that we need to fully comprehend here. And it says, then the whole assembly of the congregation of Israel shall kill it at twilight. And they shall take some of the blood and put it on the two doorposts and the lintel of the house where they eat. In other words, in the shape of a cross. Then they shall eat the flesh on that night roasted in fire. With unleavened bread and with bitter herbs, they shall eat it. Verse 9, do not eat of it raw, nor boiled it all with water, but roasted in fire, its head with its legs and its entrails. You should let none of it remain until morning, and what remains of it until morning you shall burn with fire, and thus you shall eat it with a belt on your waist, your sandals on your feet, and your staff in your hand. So you shall eat it in haste. It's the Lord's. Passover. There's such a danger in this hour of what I call spiritual vaccination. I believe that we can vaccinate others and we can even vaccinate ourselves with just a little bit of Jesus. And then we think we have the whole thing or we kind of make other people feel that they have the whole thing, but they don't. And when that thing, when that relationship doesn't really give them the fullness of what they need, they kind of feel like, well, I've tried that and that's not what, it's not working. This is not it. You see, it's a vaccination against the power of walking in the fullness of what the Lord has for us. I think we have to be so careful of it. You know, I, I know many of you were here, I think, a few times ago when I spoke, and I shared my salvation experience, you know, having been brought up Jewish. I didn't know anything about anything. Uh, you know, had no idea about what the New Testament said or anything really about Jesus. But I very supernaturally got saved. It was a sovereign encounter. One day, maybe I'll share that story again, but I got saved on Halloween in 1976. It was a very powerful experience. But because of that experience, because it was very supernatural, because it was, you know, basically just God speaking to me, I then began to read the Bible. And as I read things like the book of Acts, I took it really literally because I hadn't been indoctrinated or vaccinated to think, oh, well, no, those things don't happen anymore. I mean, when, when you read that, no, see, that was then and this is now. I didn't think so. I actually, this is how naive I was, but I was full of faith. It was, I read it, had never been to a church, and so then I understood because I, I met some Christians and it was like they began to tell me, well, you need to go to church. Okay, I'll go to church. And as soon as I went, I was very confused because I thought, well, but wait, where does the book of Acts roll out? Where do these things happen? Where do we see the sovereign? I'm telling you, 42, three years later, I've not changed my mind about it. 
I believe that we need to press into the fullness. And if we don't believe what we read in the scriptures, then we have to say, Lord, have I been vaccinated against it? Because if I have, Lord, would you cause me to catch the fullness of what you have for your people in this season? You see, I don't want to just look. I want to turn aside and look again. I want to encounter God. I want to have the Lord completely change me. I want to see things like we see in the book of Acts. I mean, somewhere in there, it says that the glory of the latter house is going to be greater than the former. I don't believe that the end product is, well, I guess this is it. No, it's not. He has much more. And he wants us to stir up our hunger in our hearts again. And he wants us to say, Lord, I'm going to press in. I was thinking tonight as we were listening to Pastor Rich's song, it was so beautiful. And I was thinking about how there is that process of asking and seeking and knocking. That there's a season where we kind of just everything sort of comes our way. But then there's other seasons where it doesn't. And God says, will you come and will you go ahead and pursue me even in these seasons? If I've withdrawn myself, will you run after me? That's the beauty of Song of Solomon. That in chapter 8 it says, well, who is this coming up out of the wilderness leaning on her beloved? You see, it's all about pursuing God. It's all about coming into relationship with him. It's all about saying, Lord, I'm going to believe what you say and I'm going to press in for it because we want to have not just enough, but we want the fullness of the whole thing of everything that God wants to do in this hour for us. Because it says here in Exodus 12, and this is really, I believe, part of the key. It says, let none of the lamb remain. Are we leaving part of the lamb behind? Are we saying, you know what, I'll take the lamb chop, but I don't want this other part. You see, God is looking for a people who would say, Lord, I want the whole thing. I want all of what you have for me in this hour. I want to consume everything. He wants us to no longer be satisfied with just a little bit of Jesus. But he wants us to burn with a fire that cannot be quenched. But you see, it was after the Passover experience, and we're going to talk about the Passover just a little bit longer, but it was after the Passover experience that you read in the next chapter how Israel not only had a cloud by day, but they had a fire by night. And I believe we need that in this hour. They couldn't have that fire without the fullness of the Passover experience. You see, we can't either. We can't have the fire without the fullness of Jesus operating in our lives. Not just a little bit of him, but it said in that passage, it said, no, you've got to consume the head and the legs. And then it says, and you need the entrails too. You've got to consume these things. You see, we can't leave any of Jesus behind. I don't want to leave any of it. I don't want to say, well, I like that part. I like the blessing part. That part's nice. 
You know, oh, that I might know him in the power of his resurrection. Oh, yes, I'm in for that. But the rest of the verse says, and that I might know him in the fellowship of his suffering. Well, I think that might be the entrails. I don't know that I want to eat that part of Jesus. But you see, we do. We don't want to leave any of what he has behind. We want to take the fullness of what he has. We cannot any longer, I believe, be selective in what we want of the Lord. We can't say, well, I actually really love the love part of Jesus. I like the peace that passes all understanding. I mean, really, who wouldn't like that? That's good. That, that can be on the menu. But we find ourselves rejecting things like Jesus wants us to leave behind our life of sin. Or that he's calling us up higher. That he has a, a greater place that he wants to put you know, in our heart, that we can't say, well, I want the forgiveness of God, but I don't want the sanctification that he calls me to. See, he wants to do all of it. He wants all of it. He wants to say, here's the whole lamb. Here's the whole thing. It's the seemingly unattractive parts that I believe that he's calling us to consume as well. You see, being a Christian despite what some people might say, isn't always easy and it's not always appealing. You know, sometimes if our expectation is that everybody's going to like it, everybody's going to be in agreement, I'm going to be popular, you know, all of these things. I don't know. Again, I just look at the scriptures and I think, wow, all of the apostles, with the, the exception of John, ended up being martyred. And John was boiled in oil. He just couldn't die. So, you know, and then he was exiled on an island. I mean, this wasn't exactly a popularity contest. You know, it wasn't where, okay, being a Christian means you can be a celebrity and you can have all sorts of things go your way. That's not it. God wants us to pursue him, to have just the fullness of what he would have for us. And I do believe that there is this other aspect that, you know, I think we find ourselves not finding appealing, but the Lord would say, if you would consume this, that that is what would really become satisfying. And so I want to look at this a little bit more carefully, this passage. It says, do not eat it raw, nor boiled at all with water, but roasted in fire its head with its legs and its entrails. You know, I love this. I believe it's saying don't let the message of the gospel, don't let the message of Jesus, don't let the scriptures be watered down. You know, how do we water it down? Well, by not knowing it, by selectively reading things. You know, the scriptures tell us that my people are destroyed for lack of knowledge. That we have to be those who consume his word in such a way. We need to uh, run after his presence in such a way that none of it is watered down. It doesn't become just something that's sort of an add-on in our life, but it becomes the full pursuit. I 
love that it says, don't let it be boiled at all with water. Like, let's not uh, reduce this in any way, but let's have the fullness, the purity of what God is saying. It says, roast it in the fire of God. Don't eat it raw. You see, we've got to roast the things of God in the fire of God. What is that? I believe it's the passion and zeal for Jesus and his kingdom. It's the passion for his presence. It's just pursuing after him in such a way that whatever you consume, when you read the scriptures, when you pray, you just begin to have a fire of passion and zeal that's burning, saying, Lord, would you tell me what this means? You know, I believe that we can come before him and we can say, Lord, what are you saying? And he'll speak to us. But he's waiting for a people like Isaiah, like Moses, who say, Lord, I'm here. I want this. I, you know, I, it says that the Lord's eyes are going to and fro looking, looking, looking for people who would say, Lord, I'm here. Would you do that on my behalf? And so it says, you've got to roast it with fire. I believe if we don't roast these things with fire, it ends up being lifeless religion. And when we are walking in a lifeless religion, it vaccinates other people against it. But people want to see, you know, isn't it interesting that in Romans chapter 8, it says that the whole creation is groaning and travailing. Why? For what? It's says the manifestation of the sons of God. It's like the world is waiting. People are waiting. You know, sometimes you look out there and you read the news and you think, oh my gosh, this is crazy. Everything is crazy. I, I think we can flip it and say what they're really doing is crying out saying, when will the people of God who are on fire, who have a flame burning, who are ready to just uh, you know, ignite everyone around them, when are they going to be manifested? I believe the world is waiting for that. Yes. And it says, take it all, that you have to take every part of it. And it says, you shall let none of it remain until morning. And what remains of it until morning, you shall burn with fire. In other words, don't delay. You can't wait until morning. This thing has to happen before tomorrow. It has to be today. Romans 13, verse 11 and 12, it says, And do this, knowing the time, that now it's high time to awake out of sleep, for now is our salvation nearer than when we first believed. The night is far spent, the day is at hand. Therefore, let us cast off the works of darkness and let us put on the armor of light." I think it's saying the same thing. I think prophetically speaking, we are in an hour where the night is far spent, where God is saying, you know, you need to wake up to the fullness of what I have for you. It's an exciting thing. It's the greatest thing. It's the thing that God has prepared from the beginning, the foundation, and here it is. And so it says, let none of it remain until morning. Why? Because the day is at hand. That we need to take the fullness of it now. And I believe that we have to roast it 
in the fire of God. God wants to do something in our lives. He wants us not to just have an experience where we kind of check it off the list, where we say, oh, I was baptized in the Holy Spirit. No, he wants us to walk in such a way that we have been fully immersed in the Holy Spirit every day. We've been fully immersed in the fire of God every day that we go and we become like those people we read about. I mean, I look at that and I think, well, that is the way it should be. And I plan to not die until I see it manifested. I want to see it in this generation, that we can be people like Peter, who had such a healing anointing that people recognized it and got in his shadow in order to see the power of God move. I want to see where somebody like Paul can teach all night. Somebody happens to fall out of the window because they fell asleep, and he dies on the ground. They're like on the third story. And Paul says, hold on, wait a minute. He goes down, prays for the guy. The guy gets raised up from the dead and comes back. I don't know. I think we serve the same God today. I think that there's that much that God wants to speak to us that we may just go ahead and have all night times where we're seeking the Lord in prayer and we're seeking the Lord in his word. And we begin to see the power of God move. I look at the scripture and I think, wow, I want to see something happen where everybody who's an unbeliever all around stands back and they marvel and they said, wow, these guys must have been with Jesus. I want to see there be such a fire of God operating in my life that people, wherever I go, would say, I don't know what's going on with you, but I need to know. I need to know because you're clearly something is going on. You see, God wants to give us a fire of passion in this hour where we are pursuing him and not giving up, where we take the fullness of everything that Jesus is, we take the fullness of his truth and we roast it in the fire. And we consume the whole thing. We roast it in the fire of pursuing him and of having passion with everything that we've got. And it says, and thus you shall eat it. You're going to eat this whole lamb with a belt on your waist, your sandals on your feet, and your staff in your hand. You see, I believe this is just like Ephesians 6 in the whole armor of God. God's calling us to put the whole armor on. It says in uh, Ephesians 6 verse 14, stand therefore having girded your waist with truth. Well, there it is on the Passover. Put your belt on your waist having put on the breastplate of righteousness and having shod your feet, just like we saw in Passover, you have to have your sandals on your feet. Here you're having shod your feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace, above all, taking the shield of faith with which you'll be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked one and take the helmet of salvation, the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. You see, I believe that we have got to wear the belt of truth as you roast and consume the whole lamb. We have got to take the truth that's in the word as we consume the things of God. We're not consuming crazy experiences. That's why we have the belt of truth on. We're going to hold it up to the scripture. It says in Jeremiah 20 verse 9, But his word was in my heart like a burning fire, shut up in my bones. I was weary of holding it back. 
and I could not. You see, God wants us to have such a passion, such a fire for him, consuming everything that God has for us, that we would be even like Jeremiah and say, I actually cannot hold back the truth that God has placed within me. I've got to let this thing go forth because it's a fire in my bones. Jeremiah 23, 29. It says, is not my word like a fire, says the Lord, and like a hammer that breaks the rock in pieces? See, there, I believe there's a fresh outpouring of the Holy Spirit and fire in this hour to begin to bring the word of God to life to us like never before. I look at history and I see things like, well, the day came where Martin Luther had a revelation in the word that the just shall live by faith. And the day came in 1906 when people had a revelation in the word that the baptism of the Holy Spirit was still for that day. You see, every revival has been birthed in the word. I believe God wants to uh, blow a fresh wind, have his breath come on us again, where we're seeking him in his word, and that it begins to burn within us because he wants to speak in this hour. We've got to be like the two who were on the road to Emmaus. I mean, what does that scripture say? That Jesus joined them. They didn't recognize him at the time, but it says that Jesus shared with them all of the scripture, all of the scripture. I mean, it's not an interesting word. It says all the scripture of how everything pertained to him. And when Jesus did reveal himself to them, and then he disappeared, they said, oh, well, of course, because did not our hearts burn as he shared the scripture? You see, God wants to come to us in such a real way through the word of God in this season. He wants to come and he wants us to consume it. He wants to say, let's just eat the whole thing. Let's have the whole thing because we want our hearts to burn with the word of God and really immerse ourselves in that. And I believe as we do, I believe the fire of his presence will really begin to ignite each one of us. And it says, and let us have our sandals on our feet. You see, there's a pair of shoes that God has just for you. You know, sometimes we rely on other people and we think, well, they're doing it. You know, uh, the Ephesians 6 said that our feet should be shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. Sometimes we say, well, I'm an introvert. I don't really share the gospel. No, it's for everybody. You've got your own pair of shoes. You can do it your way. But you see, he has people for each one of us, that we would share that thing that God has done for us. You know, isn't it interesting in Revelations 12, verse 11, that it says they overcame by the blood of the lamb. Okay, makes sense. That's right. But also the word of their testimony. You see, there's something about overcoming when we begin to share the gospel with people, when we begin to tell people, this is what Jesus has done in my life. And so in the Passover, it said, you've got to have your sandals on your feet. It's like in John chapter four, the story of the Samaritan woman. I mean, sometimes we feel like, well, I'm just not qualified. Well, how qualified was the woman in John chapter four? She had just met Jesus. She was 
you know, just been told by Jesus, you've had five husbands and your life is kind of a mess and all of these different things. And he begins, you know, she didn't understand anything at the beginning. He's saying, you know, uh, if you knew who I was, you'd ask me for a drink. And she's going like, huh? Like what? Like, why are you even here? I'm a Samaritan woman. Why are you even talking to me? Like she had no clue. But once she understood fully who Jesus was, that very day, it says, and you know she wasn't highly respected. I mean, it wasn't like, oh, well, of course, everyone's going to listen to you. No. But she said, it says in the scripture that she left there, went to her city, and said, come and see. Come and see the man who told me everything about me. And it says that many of that city turned around, that there was a great response. Why? Because she had a particular testimony that was going to minister. Now, we all have something like that. And so he's saying, put your shoes on your feet. It's part of the fire, I believe, that God wants to have burning within us. And it says, and let us carry our staff with us, just like Moses you know, if you look at the story of Moses and his staff, a lot of things happen by his staff. It, it really speaks of destiny and your purpose. And, you know, you're able, in, in Moses' case, you know, we're going to cross the Red Sea. Here we go. And, you know, when he was uh, fighting the enemy and, you know, he needed to have his arms and his staff lifted up and then they would prevail. But it says when it would go back down, then they wouldn't prevail. And so Aaron and her had to help him. You know, I believe that we've got to carry our purpose and destiny with us, that thing that God has called each one to us. You know, it says in the scripture, it says every joint will supply. It's part of the fire within us. The thing that you've been born for. You know, Paul said in Philippians, he said, oh, that I might apprehend that for which I've been apprehended for. You know, that thing needs to burn within us. Lord, what have you created me for? What is the purpose that I have? Nobody's purpose is just to sit back and let the world pass you by. It's no. God's created each one with a very definite destiny and purpose, and he's given it. The Bible says, he gives the gifts severally as he wills, that each one of us, he's equipped us, that we might go forth and let that destiny and purpose burn within us. And it says, so shall you eat it in haste. I like it. It's like, you know, this thing doesn't need to take forever. It's saying, consume it now. Here it is. Take it now. Don't leave it behind. It says, do it in haste. And I thought of the scripture in Isaiah 43, 19. It says, behold, I will do a new thing. Now it shall spring forth. Shall you not know it? I will even make a road in the wilderness and rivers in the desert. I believe it's now. I believe we have to do it in haste. I believe even as we do it in haste, even in the wilderness places that we're in, we're going to see roads. We're going to see um, all sorts of rivers appear that are going to be able then to sustain us in that season. And I like that it says, it's the Lord's Passover. It's not ours. It's not our own thoughts. It's not men's thoughts. It's not, 
you know, oh, here's what they say it's all about. I believe that we can look in the scriptures and we can say what God says it's all about, that that's why it's the Lord's Passover. He's the one who's called us. He's the one who has just even formed us that we might pursue him with everything that we have. You know, I believe that we need, and this is really the message that I just feel so compelled to give, that we need the fire of God operating in our lives that we've got and I believe the way we're going to do it the way we see it in the Passover story is we've got to consume the entire lamb don't boil it down let's roast it in fire instead let's consume every part let's be conscious of it let's say Lord I will now turn aside I'll now look into this thing you know isn't it interesting that in that passage that Michelle sang in Exodus 3 it says that when he said I will now turn aside I'll look into this thing that it says then the Lord spoke to him you see, I believe God wants to speak to us. I believe that he wants to say things. You know, to me, it, it almost breaks my heart when I read the scriptures and Paul says, I have many more things to say to you, but I can't. You know, and I feel, Lord, what things do you want to say to us in this season? But you can't yet because we're not ready. Or you can look at something like uh, Hebrews chapter five and it says, for when the time you ought to be teachers, you still need just to be taught the very elementary principles. You know, I'm saying this to myself. I'm saying it, you know, oh, Nina, would you please just rise up in this hour? Would you please just have a new uh, approach to this? Would you seek the Lord? Would you just begin to consume everything that you would ha have for me, Lord, that we would wear this belt of truth, that we would do this thing in haste, that we would do it before the morning. In other words, the night's far spent. This is the hour that he would desire for us, that our feet would be shod with the gospel of peace, that we'd carry our purpose in our hand. Why? Because it's the Lord's Passover because this is how he has designed it. And I just believe, just even as I close here tonight, I believe that we need the passion of the Holy Spirit flowing within us. I believe we need the fire that cannot be quenched. I want that. I want that experience. I want just the deeper things. I don't want to be somebody who said, oh, Moses, you go talk to God for me. I want to be one who just pursues after it. I want to see those things. I believe if there could be a people who would say, let's rise up together. Let's just pursue this thing. Let's pursue God. Let's begin to seek him. Let's begin just to open up and just have him speak to our hearts. And I believe that he wants us to allow him to come with that fire and cause really our lights to burn bright, that we could just be that impact. You know, it's interesting when it says, you know, don't put your light under a bushel. You know, that fiery light that would shine. You know, it's not just in the public, but it's in our lives too. Let's not let the light within our lives just be covered up with all of the other things that would cause us not to 
burn bright, but instead let a fiery passion begin consuming us. Let the pursuit of God begin consuming us because I believe as it does that it's going to ignite everyone who is around us. So Lord Jesus, I just pray for every person here, oh God. Lord, I pray that your fire, oh God, Lord, your Holy Spirit would just come, oh God. Lord, that you would just quicken to us, Lord Jesus, if there's any areas in our life where we've not consumed the whole lamb, oh God. Lord, we just say right now, oh God, Lord, would you cause your word to come alive to us? Lord, even in this season, Lord God, we want the full measure of what you have for us, oh God. Lord, that we would not leave any of it behind, but Lord, we would take your head with your legs, Lord. If it's the entrails, we want that too, oh God. Lord, we want the fullness of everything, and Lord, we're just not going to water it down at all, but Lord, we would burn it. Lord God, even with the fire and the passion of your Holy Spirit. Lord, I pray that you would bless each one. In Jesus' name, amen. For more information about Beit Abba, log on to our website at tfh.org slash Beit Abba or call our office at 707-455-7790.